Hi everyone, it's Sam, NFT Statistics with your Proof Daily Countdown. Bringing you the charts, the pictures, the stories, the data that matter most every single day in the world of NFTs. Let's get right to it. Starting off with a quick market overview. Volumes were up a slight bit versus yesterday. Still kind of in a downtrend, I think, over the past few weeks since that Blur Season 2 began. Volume largely with Blur, 71% of ETH volumes were on Blur yesterday. Most importantly, though, the prices keep going lower. You know, a little bit more of that downtrend. Gutter cats were up a small bit, but Moonbirds were down a fair bit. And we're going to dive a little bit into what might be happening there. Now, one of the broader picture things that I, I noticed over the past couple of days is that flippers have really been losing a lot of money. And I, I, what I made with this chart, these red bars, is how much money do people make selling NFTs that they bought on Blur within a week before they sold? Okay, so you buy and then you sell in less than a week. What is the profit and loss from people who put those sales on? And you can see that basically almost every single day, each of the past nine days, the PL has been negative for flippers. What that blue section looks at is the overall seven day profit and loss. And you can see that flippers are losing four to 5,000 ETH per week over the past couple of weeks. So I think it's been a tougher environment and we are seeing flippers get a little bit less involved, a little bit less that airdrop farming. I think this chart shows it best. This basically looks at the cumulative profit and loss of people who are selling NFTs on Blur that they bought less than a week ago. And you can see that it really has been quite negative returns. And I think we're just starting to see a lot of those players start to back out or be a little bit less active than they had been. Now, the one thing I also wanted to look into was the situation with Moonbirds. And I find this is kind of a confusing chart, but I find it pretty interesting. What that blue chart, what those blue bars look at is the amount of NFTs that the biggest buyer on the day bought. And the red is the amount of NFTs that the biggest seller on the day sold just in Moonbirds. And what you can see is basically, you know, for the first eight months of the project, you really did not have that much buying and selling above 10, 15 Moonbirds in one day. That would be a huge transaction. Whereas ever since season two of the Blur airdrop farming began, you're seeing people buy and sell 100 plus NFTs in a day. Now, normally that doesn't matter that much because you have the same, now you have buyers and you have sellers and they kind of offset each other. But what we saw with Board Apes a couple weeks ago, we saw with Moonbirds over the weekend, which is when one person comes in and sells a huge bag and has no intention of buying anymore, it can really leave the market in imbalance. You can see that one red line was down 500 Moonbirds and that happened on Saturday. This chart shows it a little bit better. You see over the weekend, you know, that red line was the most that anyone had ever sold in a single day. And it's not even close. I mean, I don't even think you've ever had a day of 50 net sellers before this season, but 500 really had a big impact. And then what ends up happening is new guys end up taking them on, you know, through their bids, they get hit with the bids. Sometimes they buy a bunch, sell a bunch, but you need to, it takes a while for that supply to find longer term holders. So you do get these ripple effects where it takes a few days, I think for that supply to really kind of get digested. And what you can see here is that Moonbirds have really, you know, it's basically gone from 6.5 to 4 point something ever since that seller sold the 500 in one day. We're going to talk about a similar situation in Punks, which happened yesterday in just a bit. Going back to prices, mid-cap index also trending a fair bit lower. Kid Called Beast was up, Quirky's down. Art projects, not a ton of volume. Only five projects did more than 10 ETH of volume. The two that had the most volume were the two projects that minted over the weekend, uh, which we talked about on Monday. Sewer passes, you know, in terms of let's look at a couple nice stories, things that are going well. Sewer passes ahead of the summoning, which is today, going to be huge. But ahead of that, sewer passes have really been pumping. Price was below two ETH over the weekend. Right now, it's almost at three ETH. For a tier one, that's not void. So that's cool to see. Again, I'm really curious to see how this one plays out. The other thing is these companion traits, which are, you know, they had that second game of Dookie Dash, you know, the lick the toad thing or where you had to, you know, where there were 2,500 top scores. Each of those got a companion trait. 
And the floor, if you got that, is 6.5 ETH. 2,500 supply. So that's a pretty big bet that this is really going to help the NFT and we're going to get something cool when the summoning happens. Again, remember, you know, these sewer passes get burnt into something new today. So we're going to see kind of what you guys in store, what all this, what all this excitement has kind of built up to today. I mentioned CryptoPunks. Wanted to talk about this as well. One person sold 21 CryptoPunks into Blur Bids today, all in one go. Something like $2.3 million. Again, sorry, yesterday. Something like $2.3 million just like in one swing, one button push. So pretty interesting to see that. The seller was someone who had bought a ton of NFTs. And what you can see here is all these, all these, all these CryptoPunks were bought in 2017 for less than one ETH. So this is someone who had been holding punks for a very long time. This is the wallet, kind of the punks that are in the wallet. The seller had... Been, been selling occasional on and off, but basically saw, okay, I can get, you know, the same thing that Mando and OSF did with Hape said, I can get more than $2 million with one button push because of all these blur bids. Let's get right to it and do it. Now, the, the downside is who bought them. And I don't even know if this is a downside, but the buyer, the main buyer now has 36 wrapped crypto punks. This is not a person who's held a ton of punks in the past, probably does want to sell them, uh, has them all listed at 75. But I think what ends up happening in these situations is when a huge seller comes in and someone gets a ton of NFTs that they did not necessarily expect, you know, you put those bids high, that's what gets you the most, most blur airdrop farming points, you know, but when people, when people get stuffed and end up owning a lot, the first move is to list them a little bit high because you don't want to just, you're long all these NFTs. You don't want to freak out the market, spook the market, push the floor lower. So all these NFTs are listed at 75 ETH will be in, you know, versus a floor of about 66. So it'll be interesting to see, does the seller really ultimately put pressure on the floor? Now want to have all this punks risk on, like we saw, you know, with Moonbirds and with, and with Bored Apes when someone got stuffed with a bunch of NFTs. So that's something to watch out for. Second story to talk about, Meta sends Sunsets NFTs. This is from two days ago, but I think it's an interesting story. We'll talk about it today. Here's a quick tweet from someone who's quite senior at Facebook, at Meta, said that they are winding down digital collectibles for now to focus on other ways to support creators, people, and businesses. Now, this is kind of rewinding a little bit. This is a, a tweet in Instagram that Instagram made in May of last year, okay? And they said that they're looking for ways, you know, they're trying to do all sorts of things to make this NFT ecosystem more interesting. They talked here about a shimmer effect that they can put on Instagram pictures or images that you own the NFT for. There was a lot of excitement. They did mints. Uh, they did mints with with top artists. You know, Dave Krugman, a bunch of other top artists did mints through Instagram on Instagram. It really felt like something that could have a lot of hope. This is an article from Coin Telegraph about how NFTs have a bite brighter future on Instagram than on Twitter. So this was a product that people saw a lot of hope for. What ended up happening then? Why did they get rid of it? And I think the answer is is pretty clear to me, at least. You know, you this chart here looks at daily active users on social platforms. You see Facebook around three billion, Instagram at two billion, WhatsApp, another meta platform at two billion. You know, and I kind of put this, this is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek chart, but I do think it's important. You know, you have two billion daily Instagram users users and only about thirty thousand daily NFT buyers. You can't even see the bar, it is that much smaller here. So this is such a niche market that I'd really put it in kind of the experimentation, kind of kind of build for the future type of thing. And in a bear market, when Facebook is laying off tons of employees, it's not surprising that this is the type of thing that they let go of. What's even worse or what's even less encouraging is that ever since they got involved, you have not seen a huge pickup in NFT buyers. Now this just looks at the ETH ecosystem. You know, a lot of their NFTs were on Polygon, but over, you know, it's been a bear market since they started getting involved. You just haven't seen this huge uptick in NFT buyers. My quick takeaway, first of all, is I think at a big company like Meta, they're 
letting go of a lot of people. Bear markets are where you want to focus on what you're what you're good at. You know, build your revenue, cut costs, et cetera. It's not as much a time where you're seeing all the experimentation uh, like you do in a bull market. Second thing is something we all know, which is that unwrapping people to NFTs is extremely difficult. And it's very hard for a company like Meta that's not even in the NFT space to do. And then the third thing, you know, is something we've seen over and over is that security risk, scam risk, losing money on your investments. These are all big issues, you know, and then they make it harder to on-ramp people, especially for a company that's not native to the space. So I guess the kind of conclusion is that this is currently the battle of bringing people on NFTs, making this something people care about, just doesn't feel like the type of thing that outsiders want to take on, puts more pressure on us, the people who love this space, who see the good in it, to really tell our story a little bit more. Third thing to talk about, I just want to focus on a few quick headlines that I thought were pretty interesting instead of a big story. Just a few quick hits here. First is that Manifold is introducing paid burns. Basically, creators can now, in addition to saying, if you burn this, you will get this NFT, they can say, if you burn this and pay this much ETH, you will get an NFT. So allowing people to add a fee. Basically, one of their comments was, you know, in a world where royalties are increasingly hard to enforce, they're looking for other ways to kind of maintain creator income and revenue. Now, here's an example of it. This is an example from Guido Di Sala, well-known photographer. Basically, if you want to burn this NFT with the lips and get the black and white one, you also have to add 0.069 ETH on top. So interesting to see. You thought that was pretty cool. Second thing in this quick, in this quick story headline thing, something a little different from Jack Butcher. He said that he's going to start using the checks metadata. So the images on checks to feature different artists. He's always just featured his work and different derivatives of checks. But now he has this, which is a, a sculpture, pretty cool, by Pro, Pro Roketh, uh, who is actually a sculptor who does a lot of NFTs based on, sculpt, on sculpture. Uh, but this is currently the metadata for checks. I think this is pretty fun. Nothing huge, but we're going to see more and more artists kind of doing derivatives of the check. So looking forward to seeing that. Third thing, Sesame Street to launch its first NFTs with Vivi, starting with a Cookie Monster digital collectible, $60 each. Let's go over a little bit of the details. The platform is called Vivi. This one's been around for a long time. Uh, so not one that I'm super familiar with, but I know that they were founded, I believe, in 2018. So I've been in the digital collectible game for a while. 5555 at 60 each, raising about $350,000 with Cookie Monster. Let's see how it goes. One thing I always find interesting when these types of things happen is to go onto Twitter. Variety was one that broke the story, and you can see the comments. And basically, be reminded, for better or worse, how much the world, how much the normal world out there thinks that NFTs are completely ridiculous. Here are a few of the comments. Not hard to find them from that Variety story. Either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a shill for e-scans. This is a scam. It's horrible. But more importantly, it goes against the Sesame Street concept. Educate everyone as equals and teach how to live in a better world. There are tons of these. Always interesting just to get a reminder of how important it is for us who like the space, who find a lot of cool, interesting things here, a lot of real value for art and for collectibles and connecting people, uh, you know, when we can to, to talk about the good stuff that's going on. Anyways, thought that was kind of interesting. Last thing, a bit more upbeat. Let's talk about some notable sales. A few to go through. First, this Izuki Spirit was the most expensive sale of the day, 191.6 ETH. This was bought by EB7. I mentioned EB7 a lot, mainly because there aren't a lot of people right now who are buying expensive apes, who are buying expensive Azukis. He's one of the guys who's either doing it or brokering deals where it happens. A quick look at Azuki all-time sales. The top four were well above this. So four sales at four, you know, the top at 420, 
Others kind of well above 200. Now you'll see at the bottom right is the exact same NFT that Eric's buying. I think someone bought it you know, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago for 250 ETH. So Eric got a fair bit of a discount. Actually, if you go on his Twitter, apparently there was some drama. Whenever you deal with these high value NFTs and a lot of the over-the-counter players, sometimes you get a little tension there. I don't try to go too deep. Either way, congrats to Eric. It's a cool NFT. It's his PFP now. That's kind of fun. Next sale to talk about. And this is not an NFT, but I thought it was interesting because it is a digital collectible and we're all kind of in this digital collectible economy. Counter-Strike Go, a skin sold for $160,000. That is for this gun as well as the stickers that are on it. I did a bit, I'm not a Counter-Strike guy. I'm not a gamer myself. So I did a bit of digging into this and most of it is, most of that price point was because of the aesthetics. Okay, they say the gun would be about a $15,000 gun but the real value was in the stickers that were on it, you know, that were created, I believe, a few years ago. So it's really the stickers that made this thing valuable. Um, it was bought by on a Chinese platform. It was bought in R&B. They say that there are a lot of people kind of in the China market that really see a lot of value in a lot of these collectibles and are the ones making the big purchases. They also say that they will sometimes rent them out to professional gamers who can use them when they're doing professional games. So all kind of interesting, kind of has some overlap with what we do. So I thought I would highlight that. And then there weren't that many super rare sales today, but the top sale for three ETH was a piece that I found really cool. Again, this is a JPEG. It actually has a ton of animation and is really quite beautiful when you look at it in the animated form. A piece called Snowflower. The artist is Elon Durech. Sorry, Elon, if I am mispronouncing your name. From his description, from his bio, he says, slow down, breathe, enjoy the fleeting seconds of life. Kind of ironic when I'm out here giving you the show real quickly, but let's keep going. Multimedia artist, cinematographer, photography, specialized camera lenses. Kind of a cool message. You know, his work really focuses on Japan. A lot of this animation and kind of this has this film camera feel, uh, travel photographer kind of feel. I, I, I think it's really cool, uh, really cool work. So interesting stuff. You can see he's had a bunch of sales in this three to 3.5 ETH range. So congrats to the artist, congrats to the buyer. I really like this guy's work. I also went to his website and some of his, his photography also completely amazing. So worth checking out. Last thing I'll leave you with, a few other things that are happening today that I'm excited to, you know, perhaps we'll report on some of this tomorrow. First, the Proof Mint with Mika Tajima. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but a really cool mint coming up from Proof. Artblock's curated drop, I believe it's called Ceramics. That's happening this afternoon. The summoning on sewer passes, talked about it earlier, but I think this is going to be very interesting to see what these net new NFTs look like. And then we talked about Sotheby's sales yesterday, but I think 15 pieces, Harvey, Harvey Rainer, Pattern.co, OXDGB, uh, Pinder Van Armin, Terrell Jones. There's a lot, of, a lot of cool art there. So go check those out if you have not yet. That's all from me today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, please like it below. Comment if there are things we can do better. Tell us what you think. I read the comments. Subscribe to the channel. We'll be back tomorrow and every weekday with another show.